Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Eric, Discipleship Pastor at New Life Lutheran Church. Today on our podcast, we hear the sermon from this weekend, the 26th Sunday after Pentecost. We are continuing our sermon series on transformed lives, where we explore some of the ways that Jesus transformed the lives of those he interacted with through the Gospels. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and Podbean. Our scripture today is from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tomb with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the God most high? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to the Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood, and he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed by a demon begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's get growing. we are continuing our sermon series called Transformed Lives. And this is a continuation of a sermon series that we were doing before called Transformed Hearts. For four or five weeks, we explored different ways that Jesus interacted with people in the Gospels and he transformed their heart. And we talked about the heart not being the place that we feel romantic love, um, that we would kind of think of heart, but the, the Greek word cardia actually probably means our gut. So when we hear the word heart in our translations, we should probably be thinking our stomachs, the thing that is within us. It's a place that we make decisions. It's a place that our desires come out of. It's a place that we process information. Another word that might be a good translation is mind. So when we hear the word heart, we should be thinking about mind or guts, this kind of visceral, uh, reactive kind of core to who we are. That's much more than just our romantic feelings. And we read about different ways, we learned about different ways that Jesus met with people in the Gospels and he would transform their hearts. He transformed what they wanted out of life. He transformed what they desired out of life. 
And now we're getting into this new series where we actually hear about this, this, as the person's heart is transformed, it kind of overflows into their lives. And so we're reading about how people's situations and how their behaviors are actually changed because of what Jesus has done for them and to them. And so last week, we heard Pastor Ben preach a sermon about Matthew the tax collector. And we heard about how tax collectors in those days were hated deeply because these were uh, wealthy Jewish individuals who would buy a tax collecting position from the Roman government and then they would tax their fellow Jews, their neighbors and their friends and their family, and they would overtax them and then pocket the difference. So these were people who mistreated their fellow nationals. They mistreated other Jews and they actually paid the Roman government to do it. So they were despised. They were the worst of the worst. They were dirty, rotten scoundrels. Nobody liked them. And we heard about how Jesus, after he invited Matthew to follow him, how he went into Matthew's home and he ate with tax collectors and sinners. He ate with the dirty, rotten scoundrels. And we heard that you have to actually get within range of people if we're going to transform them. If someone's going to be transformed in the name of Jesus, it means Jesus has to get close with them, which means, guess what? We have to get close to them. It means that we have to get within range of them in order to see that transformation happen. And so what we're doing this week is that we're looking at a similar kind of story. Um, and in fact, I think it's, it's actually maybe fortuitous that Ben isn't here today because this is kind of an intensification of last week. It's not, it's almost like a part two, and it's a part two, but then on steroids. Because we hear about this man who was possessed by an unclean spirit. He was possessed by a demon. And he was cast out of his community. And he experienced transformation. So this is kind of a part two. So kind of have last week's sermon in mind about Jesus spending time with the sinners, with people that the normal society didn't really like. And we're going to kind of intensify. And we're going to crank it up to 11 this morning. But before we get into the passage of Mark 5, I want to give a little bit of context because uh, we're going to see some details that are a little strange, and I want us to understand why those details are important. The Gospel of Mark, if you've read it, it's a fast-paced story. There's a lot of things that go on in Mark, and most of the stories only take a couple verses to tell. Most of the stories in Mark are less than 10 verses. They're about a paragraph or two long, and it doesn't, Mark doesn't give many details in his stories. It's just Jesus went here, did this. Jesus went here, taught that. Jesus went here, met with this person. Jesus went here, healed this group of people. It's all very fast-paced. It's almost like a comic book. So uh, I, love, I loved Calvin and Hobbes growing up. And so think of a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip. There's almost no context, and you just get dropped in for four panels, and you get this one little snapshot of a moment. And then it's the next one. And they really don't have that much to do with each other. Sometimes they build on each other and are connected. But it's really just a collection of stories. That's what Mark's gospel is kind of like. The first half of Mark's gospels are just these short snippets. Story, story, story. Boom, boom, boom. Quickly. Almost like a comic strip. So Mark takes several chapters at the beginning and he just gives us these quick little four or five sentence stories. Boom, boom, boom the whole way through. And then we get to Mark chapter 4, which is the chapter right before the one that we looked at. And Mark chapter 4, if you have a red letter Bible where Jesus' words are in red, almost all of chapter 4 is, is Jesus' words. And so Mark 
takes this time and he establishes a rhythm of storytelling. These quick, succinct, couple sentence stories. And then all of a sudden we hit chapter 4 and it's one long teaching of Jesus. One long conversation. And so Mark is intentionally slowing us down as we read through his gospel. We hit these first three chapters and then he slows us down. And then he introduces this story. And this story doesn't share a lot of things with the other stories in Mark. This one's longer, quite a bit longer. It's 20 verses long. And it includes a lot of detail that the other stories in Mark don't. And then as soon as this story is done, we actually heard uh, the next section of chapter 5 preached by Pastor Ben a couple weeks ago. It's Jairus' daughter. And that's another long story, but it's interrupted in the middle. It kind of feels, feels a little bit more like Mark. It's a little bit more fast-paced. But this one feels pretty slow. We slow down in chapter 4, then we get into chapter 5, and then Mark gives all these details about this guy who's demon-possessed, and it seems kind of weird to us. And this morning, I'm not going to talk about uh, the demonic or anything like that. I'm going to just punt that to Pastor Ben. So you can ask Pastor Ben about that once he gets back in the office, or I'll let him preach about that another day. But we're going to focus on what this guy's problem was. What is the center that this, that this unclean spirit, what was it doing to him? And what was it, how was it changing and challenging his life? So in this story, Jesus calms a storm, and then they get to the other side of the sea, And this is what happens. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Now we just heard this passage. And to me, when I read through this, when I think of somebody who's demon-possessed, an unclean is not the word that I would think to use, right? That seems like a weird... I mean, if a spirit is a non-physical thing... It's not like we're talking about this spirit has dirt on it, right? Not like it just like went mudding or something like that and needs to go take a shower. We're not talking, this spirit didn't just spend time working at the grain elevator and now needs to go and wash off all the corn dust off of it. It seems a weird way to talk about it, unclean. But for Mark's initial audience, who were Jews, this word unclean was loaded with meaning. So in the Old Testament, we hear, especially in the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, we hear about Uh, these instructions that God gave the Israelites that would help separate them from the other nations. So the other nations in the ancient Near East were worshiping many gods. They were worshiping false gods. They were worshiping evil spirits. And God, the true God, Yahweh, wanted wanted to welcome the Israelites into a relationship with him, and he wanted them to be separate from the Gentiles. And so he gave them some rules that separated them from the Gentiles, from the other nations. And there's about 613 of these rules. So there's a lot of them. And they are as simple as you can't eat pork. That was one of the rules. And you can't eat certain certain kinds of shellfish. Um, All the way to you can't weave two different types of cloth together. All the way to you can't marry certain types of people, certain uh, people from certain countries. So there are all these rules that God presented. And the main crux of them was that God is holy And humans have fallen short of that holiness. And so some things are labeled unclean because they cannot enter into the presence of God. They cannot be in the presence of God. And so there are lots of different things that this included. This included touching blood. If you touched blood, you were unclean for like a day or something like that till the next evening you could go through the purification rituals. 
You couldn't touch a corpse. If you touched a corpse, you had to be quarantined for a month and you had to go through a purification ritual. If you touched the clothing of somebody who had leprosy, you had to be quarantined for a certain amount of time until you could have this purification ritual. And so this unclean term, while associated with sin, isn't equated with sin. So don't think about that. But unclean meant that you have to be separated from God until you can be purified and brought back into God's presence. There are all these rules surrounding this. And Mark is very specific here. He doesn't call this a demonic spirit. He doesn't call it an evil spirit. He calls it an unclean spirit. He uses that word specifically. And if we go through the rest of this passage, we'll see why. And we won't read through the whole thing again, but I just want to hit some highlights of this story that we hear. So first of all, Jesus went to this place called the country of the Gerasenes. This is a Gentile country. Um, there are 10 cities, that's why it's called the Decapolis, 10 cities, that were Gentile cities. So these are not Jews that the disciples are interacting with. So this is a Gentile country. This man is most likely a Gentile. And this man has an unclean spirit within him. So he has two strikes against him already. First of all, he's unclean because he's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Secondly, he has this unclean spirit. The third thing that we see is that this guy's hanging around in the graveyard, and he's probably had contact. If not contact, he's been in vicinity with the dead, with corpses. That would make him unclean. He, we read in this passage that he's bruising himself. In other gospels, he's actually, they, they describe it as cutting himself. So he's actually cutting his body and causing himself to bleed, and he has contact with his own blood. That makes him unclean. Not only that, but when Jesus asks the demon, what is your name? The spirit says, my name is Legion, which is a Roman military term. So that's another strike against it. Another Gentile, not only a Gentile, but the kind of Gentiles that are oppressing the Jews. And then not only that, but there are pig herders nearby which Dan and Mark, we have nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with pig herders now. Um, but they could not eat pork. Um, and in fact, there are some, uh, some traditions that you weren't even allowed to like touch or raise them at all. So this guy is unclean. And Mark gives us these details for a reason. He wants us to realize just how unclean this person is. Why Mark gives us all these details is because this guy was the unclean of the unclean of the unclean. He was so far from God. He was so far removed from God that it's almost like it's almost like Mark is saying there is nobody in the world that is as far removed from God as this guy. And in fact, he's so unclean that other Gentiles don't even want to spend time with him. They've tried to bind him with shackles and chains and he's broken out of them. This guy is the worst of the worst. He's the scum of the earth. He is so far from God that he is hopeless. There is no redeeming him at all. And the radical nature of this story is that this is the very person that's transformed. This is the very person that's redeemed. This is the very person that's rescued. And at the end, not only is this man no longer possessed by the Spirit, but he's clothed again. So he's running around naked. All right? But he's clothed again, and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from him, which is a, it's a right, that's a picture of learning from, and he's close to, he's intimate with Jesus. He's sitting at his feet. So that's the radical nature of this story, is that Jesus was willing to transform even the unclean of the unclean of the unclean. Now, I know what you're thinking. 
I, maybe, maybe I don't know what you're thinking. I can imagine what some of you might be thinking right now. Some of you might be thinking about some people in our community or in, our, in your families that are a little bit like this, separated from the norm, separated from respectable people, separated from the wider culture. Maybe these are the drug dealers that hang out at the bars that you know you shouldn't go to. Maybe this is the person down the streets who have suspicious people showing up at their house and then driving away. Maybe these are your neighbors who don't cut their grass as often as you would like and have trash out in their driveway. Maybe this is people who don't keep their house as well as you would like. Maybe this is the guy who winds up face down in the Hardy's parking lot every Sunday morning because he's been out drinking all Saturday night. The unclean of the unclean of the unclean. But here's the cool thing is that those are the kind of people that Jesus wants to transform. Those are the kind of people that Jesus wants to see made new. Those are the kind of people that Jesus chose to spend time with. Those are the kind of people that Jesus chose to to release the demon from, is the unclean of the unclean of the unclean. He was transformed. So the question is, who are the unclean in our community? In Sock Valley. I don't know Sock Valley that well. Um, I don't know these communities that well. I'm sure that there are places, I'm sure that there are certain houses, and there are certain names that you hear every Monday when you hear the arrest report for the weekend on the radio. And I'm sure you're familiar with some of these people. Maybe they're in your own family. And you think that they're hopeless. But the radical nature of this story, the radical teaching of this story, is that nobody is beyond redemption. So here's the question that I have for you that we're going to kind of dwell on for the next couple minutes. If those people came to our church, if those people experienced transformation by Jesus, are you ready for that? Are you ready to have the guy who winds up face down in the Hardy's parking lot every Sunday morning after drinking all night? Are you ready for that guy to be here? Are you ready for the drug dealer down your street who has cars coming and going, who has trash all over their yard? Are you ready for that person to show up in our church? I'm guessing if they did, there would be some murmurs. That's what I would guess. And how about we actually follow Jesus' example? Are you ready to go into their homes and eat with them and spend time with their friends? Because that's what Jesus did. Are you ready to welcome them into your home and have them eat from your table Have them be part of your family because that's what Jesus did. Jesus loved and he cared for the unclean of the unclean of the unclean. The dirty, rotten scoundrels, the scum of the earth. That's who Jesus loved. That's who Jesus sought. And that's who Jesus transformed. Are you guys ready for that? Because the more we lean into Jesus, the more we follow him, the more we're going to start acting like him, which means we're going to start being around some unsavory people. Because that's where Jesus likes to go and transform. But let me push this a little bit further. Let me push this just a little bit further. Because by now, you may have noticed some emotions, maybe a little bit of self-righteousness rising up within you. Maybe you're starting to think that you need to have pity on these people on these unclean of the unclean of the unclean. Maybe you're starting to to feel a little good about yourself because you're like, great, we can transform them. I can transform them. I can help them live a respectable life. But what if I told you, and this is God's dirty little secret, and it's not a secret, 
is that, guess what? I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And so are you. In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus gave a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, he quotes the Old Testament law to his disciples, to the people listening, and he flips it on, the, on its head. He said to them, you've heard it say, do not commit murder, but I tell you, whenever you are angry, you've already committed murder in your heart. Jesus quoted the Old Testament to his disciples, and he says, you've heard it say, do not commit adultery, but I've said to you, anybody who lusts after another person has already slept around on their spouse. So here's the truth, folks, is that every time you get angry, every time I get angry for somebody cutting you off in traffic, cutting me off in traffic, every time we get angry with our spouse or with our children, we get impatient with them, guess what? We're unclean. Jesus, by Jesus' standards, every time you get angry, every time I get angry with somebody in our community, with somebody in my family, Every time I get angry with somebody, I'm no different than the guy who shot up the synagogue in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh two weeks ago. Because guess what? My anger has already committed that atrocity in my heart. I'm unclean. And so are you. I'm the scum of the earth. And so are you. According to God's law, and so it doesn't matter how nice my clothes are, how well tailored they are. It doesn't matter how nice my, my lawn is clipped. It doesn't matter how tough I try to act around people. It doesn't matter how little I try to act like I don't care about things going on. The end of the day is that I'm the scum of the earth. And so are you. But guess what? The scum of the earth, that's exactly the kind of people that Jesus wants to spend time with. You are exactly the kind of person that Jesus wants to spend time with. I'm exactly the kind of person that Jesus wants to spend time with because I have fallen short, because I am a dirty, rotten scoundrel, because you and I are the scum of the earth. That is exactly where Jesus wants to be. You see, it's easy for us to read this passage and imagine that somebody else is the demon-possessed man that he's the guy who's facing, the reason I keep saying that is because I ministered to a guy in one of our churches that that was like what he was known for, was for drinking all weekend, and then they would find him, it, was, it wasn't Hardy's, it was Culver's, because it was Wisconsin, but they would find him in the Culver's parking lot, he always would wind up there, sometimes it would be two, sometimes it would be two counties over, they'd find him, that's the reason I keep saying that, but really we're no different, just because you and I might dress better than some of the other scum of the earth. Doesn't mean that we're any less scummy. Doesn't mean that we're any less broken. That's exactly who Jesus wants to love. That's exactly who Jesus wants to transform, is people like you and people like me and people like our neighbors who are dealing drugs. People like our neighbors who don't mow their lawn enough. People like our neighbors who trashes their house and play their music too loud all night. That's exactly the kind of people that Jesus wants to transform. And that's beautiful. And it changes my approach to my neighbor that maybe is doing things that I don't like. And it can change your approach to your neighbor. Because when we realize that our neighbors are not the ones who are demon-possessed by the unclean spirit, like this man, 
when we realize that it is not our neighbors that are unclean, but it is in fact us who are unclean, that changes how I treat my neighbor who maybe does things that I don't like. Maybe makes me a little bit more patient with them, a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more compassionate. That's exactly what Jesus wants to do this morning. Is that if you've already met Jesus and you've already been transformed by Jesus, he wants you to be more compassionate. He wants you to be more loving. He wants you to be more like Jesus, who's willing to go and spend time in the homes with the scum of the earth. He wants you to be more like Jesus, who's willing to transform those who are unclean. And if you don't know Jesus yet, you're exactly the kind of person that he wants to know. You're exactly the kind of person that he wants to transform. So the truth that we see in this passage is this. I skipped a lot, as you can see. Aren't you proud of me? The truth that we see in this passage is this. That anyone, anyone, anyone can be transformed by Jesus in his gospel. And that's good news, folks. Because I'm anyone, and you're anyone. And the guy that we hear about his name every week on the radio in the arrest reports, he's anyone. Our neighbors that are dealing drugs, they're anyone. That bar that we all know that we shouldn't go to, people in it are anyone. Anyone can be transformed by the gospel. And it is exactly those kinds of people that Jesus wants to change.